Good morning, everyone. So today we are celebrating the ascension, you know, 43 days after Jesus rose from the dead. Just kind of a joke. He, 40 days, so that's Thursday, but that's another story. We're not going to preach on that. I want to mention one thing from our gospel, and then I want to dive into our main theme. Um, someone who is a, an important figure in my life uh, used to say, the Great Commission today is our gospel. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, where Jesus commissions us to go on mission to save the nations, right? To bring them to Christ. Uh, it is that great kind of banner that we go under that we're called to. But someone in my life who is really important, people used to ask him why he was Catholic. Uh, why not be an evangelical Christian and all the good things that are happening in evangelical churches? And there's a lot of good there. But I always loved, he would always say, the evangelical Christian community knows that passage. They know they have that passage memorized. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And they would say, you know, why aren't you an evangelical Christian? And I remember he would always say, because of one word in the Great Commission. Because Jesus says, uh, go and teach them all that I have commanded you. And he said, that one word, all, is why I'm Catholic. And that's just a great line that you and I should know. Right? A lot of Christians today, they'll say, it doesn't really matter. We don't need to talk about all these minor things. If you love Jesus, why does anything else matter? Well, Jesus does not command us just to believe that he's God. He commands us to observe everything that he has taught us. And that fullness is found in the Catholic faith. Okay, sermon number one's over. Now we're moving into the main theme today. And I want you to think about, in your life, have you ever backed the wrong horse? Have you ever thought, you know, this is a, a clear choice, you know, there, there's two options, and obviously things are going to go this way, and so I'm going with that, and then you turned out to be wrong. I've never had that experience. I'm almost never wrong. No, just kidding. Uh, we've all had that experience. We've backed the wrong horse. One of the biggest ones in history happened with someone in the New Testament we know named Herod the Great. So Herod the Great is the one who tries to kill Jesus uh, in his infancy, right, in, in Bethlehem. But Herod, there's a big history. And if you know quick history lesson today, hang with me. This is an amazing story. So when Julius Caesar, if you remember back to your high school history courses, when Julius Caesar was assassinated, the Roman Empire, there's, there's a power struggle that arises. And there's two horses there's two big figures that look like they might be the next leader of the Roman Empire. Uh, the first one was Mark Anthony. Right? And, right? Mark Anthony and Cleopatra are going to form an alliance. And they're one possibility. If they're going to be the winners, they're going to come out ahead. The other one is Octavian. And there's a struggle that arises between the two of them. And the great climax of that struggle, I know you all know, I was quizzing Father Mike this morning. And the, the great battle that decided who was going to win was the battle of Actium in the year 31 BC. 
And I know you can see where this is going, right? Oh, obviously, Ascension, Actium, got it. Now, here's, here's what happened. Herod the Great had backed Mark Antony. He was a major political figure, Herod was, and he had to choose whose side do you want, and he chose Mark Antony. And it turns out that Mark Antony loses the Battle of Actium, and that paves the way for Octavian to become the emperor. Later, his name will be changed to Augustus, Caesar Augustus. Now, I just want you to sit with that for a second. And imagine the moment that Herod found out that he had been putting all of his energy and all of his thought and resources into the wrong thing. Oh, no. <laughs> right? That would be a hard moment. What would you do? Well, Herod was a good politician. He was a good politician, and so he knew how to blow with the prevailing wind. And so Herod is immediately going to go to Octavian, Caesar Augustus, and he is going to say, I screwed up big time, and I am totally with you, totally loyal. And so he's going to go so far, Herod the Great will name a number of cities after Caesar Augustus to honor him. Right? He's going to blow with the prevailing wind. And so he's going to name the city, the city of Sebast after, it's a Greek word for Augustus. And so he names that city for Caesar Augustus. He's going to build Caesarea Maritima, which is a great city in the northern part of Israel on the Mediterranean Sea named for Caesar. Right? Herod knew how to do that. And here's what I want to talk about today. The ascension of Christ is the great feast that calls you and I to mission. The ascension of Christ is the feast that calls his church to mission. The early church knew this. They knew that they were going to go out and they were going to be on mission. And what I want to compare this to today is I don't know how Herod the Great found out who won that battle. I don't know who it was that came to him and said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news for you. Right? And the, and the bad news is that Mark Antony lost and he's gone. And there's a new Caesar. But whoever that person was who brought that news to Herod the Great, brothers and sisters, the gospel today, our second reading, our first reading, all three tell us that the ascension is our summons to go on mission. And the church in the world is called to be the community of messengers who go out and say, you know what? You thought life was about this, but guess what? You back the wrong horse. There's a real king. There's a true emperor, and his name is not Caesar. Right? His name is Christ. And so I've got bad news for you. You've backed the wrong horse. All that you thought life was about, it's not about that. But I've got good news for you. 
There is a true king, and there is a king who rules not merely by power or authority, but who rules in love and truth and goodness. And he is the true Lord of the world. Ascension is tied to mission, brothers and sisters. Ascension is the enthronement of Christ. He has been enthroned as king. He is the world's true Lord. And that calls you and I to mission. Now here's the thing. We all know this, but I want you to think about this today. When the church forgets her mission, she gets weird. When the church forgets her mission, she becomes strange. Just like Father Mike. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Someday, you know, he can make fun of me in the announcements. But that's what happens. I remember when I was in Spain, one of the times I was in Spain, and there's these gorgeous cathedrals in Spain. And they've all been turned to museums because the Spaniards are no longer Christians, by and large at least. And you go to these, these cathedrals, and oftentimes they have museums attached to them. And I remember being in Spain, and we would walk through these museums, and they're the most gorgeous chalices you have ever seen. They're ornate and beautiful, and guess what? They're under glass. And every time I see that, it breaks my heart. Because the only reason the chalices are adorned in gold and silver and they have jewels on them and ornate patterns, there's only one reason. It's because they hold the blood of Christ. And that's the only reason we would ever make a chalice beautiful. It's the only reason we make a church beautiful is because it is a place where Christ dwells. And it calls us to worship him. That's why churches are beautiful. And if you have a beautiful chalice and a beautiful church that is empty, it becomes a countersign to everything Christianity is about. Brothers and sisters, when we lose our sense of mission, we become like that chalice. You might be a really beautiful person. You actually might know a lot about Christianity. Maybe you know about the Battle of Actium. Maybe you know that Sebast means Augustus in Greek. Maybe you know that there are 28 chapters in Matthew's gospel and you make jokes about Matthew 29. I don't know. But if you're not on mission, it doesn't matter. The church does not exist for you to have a bunch of knowledge and to not proclaim the reign of Jesus Christ. And I think that's exactly where we're at as a church right now. We become an artifact under glass from a, an age that has passed. Brothers and sisters, we've got to wake up. We have to know that we are called to proclaim to the world that there is a king, there is a Lord. There is a savior of the world and his name is not Caesar. And I want to zero in on our second reading of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Right, one more image of this. There's that chalice under glass. It's kind of like your Bible that's very pretty and sits on your shelf. That's not what your Bible's for. 
God did not give you the sacred scriptures to look nice on your bookshelf. He gave you the scriptures to fill your heart and your soul, to fill you with truth and wisdom and goodness. And the Bible doesn't belong on your shelf. It belongs in your hands. Man, this is fiery today. I love it. <laughs> Too bad you're not here soon enough. In our second reading today, Paul seems all flowery. Right? Paul says, he's praying for us, and he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I pray that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Right? He's going to just go on and on and flourish and wax. He says, what is the immeasurable greatness? He wants you to know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe according to the working of his great might? Paul has run on sentences. And he's just going on and on about the power and the beauty and the glory of Christ. And he goes on, right? He says, God raised him from the dead. He placed him far above every rule and authority and power and dominion. Right? Christ is king. That's today. The ascension is that Christ is king of all the universe. Far above every name that is named. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things. Why? For the church. Christ is raised into heaven. He ascends to heaven today for the church. Now that might seem like, well, if that's the case, Father Brian, and St. Paul, if, if Jesus has ascended to heaven for the sake of the church, why does it seem like we're losing the fight? If Christ is all-powerful, if he's exalted above every authority and rule and dominion and power, why is my life so hard? Why is the culture fighting us on every moral issue? And why does it look like we're losing? It's a nice thought, St. Paul, but doesn't apply here. Here's the one thing you're missing. Ephesians is one of Paul's prison letters. Ephesians was probably written about the year 62. Paul is in Rome, and he's in chains. Because Paul understood something that you've got to get. We've got to get this. God's authority and his power are not about making your life comfortable or easy. That's not why Jesus is king. He is king so that all the world might be saved. And you and I, as Christians, we are the privileged men and women who know that our life is not about having nice things. And we know that our life is not about being comfortable. It's not about having the perfect spouse or perfect children. It's about the kingdom of God. And if you forget that as a Christian, your faith will run dry. 
You'll be a nice artifact under a piece of glass. But you will not be living the Christian vocation. People say to me all the time, you know, Father Brian, if, if God really loves me and he's all-powerful, why, why do I not have X, Y, or Z? Why is life hard? Why does my aunt, you know, have cancer? Why, does, why, are, why is the coronavirus damaging our lives? I don't know. I pray for the same things. And I understand that. But no one ever says to me, Father Brian, if Jesus is Lord of all the earth, why am I not in prison? And very seriously, maybe some of us should be in prison. And we should be joyful in prison because the real fight is not about having a comfortable, smooth life. It's about proclaiming to the world there's a new emperor. There's a true Lord. There is a king who gives life to the dead. And I can suffer for that. And I can suffer joyfully for that. Are you on mission, brothers and sisters? Are you on mission? I want to leave you today. There's so much more I want to talk about. This ties to why the, the church has its center in Rome. Because the early Christians insisted that the true emperor was not Caesar, but it was Jesus. And Rome was founded by two twin brothers in mythology, Romulus and Remus. But the early Christians said, no, it wasn't. They said the true Rome, the true empire of God, was founded by two different brothers. Their names are Peter and Paul. And they both died in Rome, and that is no accident. But Paul knows the real enemy, and it's in the same letter in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul is going to remind us that the gospel is not about easiness in this life. In Ephesians 6.10, Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Right? Are you suited up for battle? Are you on mission? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood. Brothers and sisters, our real enemy is not the pro-abortion industry, as evil as it is. And we need to win that fight, and I know that. And our real enemy is not people who have a different worldview from us, although that worldview is a lie and it needs to be destroyed. The real enemy is the devil and his minions. We are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In the year 62, when Paul sat in chains and wrote Ephesians with a joyful spirit, he knew that the guards who held him captive were not his enemies. The ruler of this world in the New Testament is called Satan. And Christ has defeated him. Are you on mission? 
Is your prayer life about you feeling good and close to God? Or is it about the destruction of the kingdom of darkness? Is your knowledge of the Catholic faith, is it about you looking cool at parties? And you know who Pope Celestia IV was, who I don't know if there was one. Is, that, is it about you? Or are you on mission? Jesus, today you have ascended above the heavens. You are the true king of the earth, and you use those who are lowly to humble the proud. You cast down the mighty from their thrones, and you exalt those who are lowly. Lord, may we be lowly, may we be poor, may we be humble, and may we be on mission.